Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is a brief and profound statement. No doubt that when John the Apostle and writer of this gospel first heard these words, he did not fully comprehend their meaning. Indeed, in the church, in fact, we speak so often of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Uh, We sing it in our hymns. We uh, see it in our artwork. Perhaps we also could be at risk of glossing over the significance of this statement. I have no doubt, in fact, this morning that there are many churches that are reading this same reading that will skip past this statement and go to the latter part of our gospel lesson, the calling of Andrew and St. Peter. And then there will be some sort of like, you know, object lesson in this. See, Andrew and St. Peter, they heard the calling of Jesus and they followed. And that's what you have to do. You also have to hear that calling and then follow in their footsteps. Be like the apostles. That's what you need to do. I mean, I have no doubt that will be said with good intention, too. As though that that phrase then should be rewritten. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and must be followed. So get busy following him. And if that is the paradigm that you preach, what sort of church is is it that you have? Well, then it becomes uh, not so much a church, but a mission station. Yeah, where the church establishes all of these programs and places where you can get busy being the Jesus follower that you need to be. And, and then we find these places where you can plug in and, and then you can feel good about yourself. Oh, God, thank you for making me like Andrew and like Peter, because you, you gave me the faith to be a good person and to follow Jesus just like I should be doing. I know I've heard this probably 500 times. I'm sure you have too, because it can easily go that way because we're creatures that desire to earn our keep or do our fair share or do what's right. And those of you who know me know that I'm not against doing what's right. By all means, we should be loving each other and sharing and, and, and we should be following Jesus, of course. But the risk, the real risk here, when we jump into this mission mode of basically reducing everything down to the Great Commission, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, If we reduce everything down to that, then we miss this very profound statement. Andrew and Peter did not miss the profound statement. They understood what this meant, not fully, granted, but they understood. And and in fact, I would say they were being uh, faithful to John because we're told that it was disciples of John who then followed Jesus. Well, it was John like... Oh, well, thanks a lot. That's that's a nice how do you do. These were my disciples. Now they're following Jesus. Of course not. John said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold, the very one that I have been preaching to you. 
Behold, the one that I said, my, I am not worthy to even untie his sandals. He is here and this is he and the spirit has borne witness. God has borne witness. And now I bear witness to you that this is the one. Do you see John like with the spotlight shining it on Jesus saying, attention, all people, this is the one. This is Jesus Christ, the Messiah, because that's what John is doing. And his disciples that followed after Jesus, they were being faithful to John's preaching. They were just they said, John, we heard what you said. And yeah, we agree. We, we follow. This is the one. And so they did. And so they followed him. You'll recall that John said, uh, actually, it was just the prior day. He had said, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie. Later in John's gospel, uh, we see John the baptizer saying of Jesus that he must increase, but I must decrease. John the baptizer did not point attention to himself, but he pointed it to Jesus Christ. And you'll notice that um, uh, the apostles, the uh, disciples who followed Jesus didn't say, oh, if this is the Christ, then we better get busy following him. Uh, that's, not, that's not the flavor that you get here. It is that they said simply in faith, they heard and believed. Remember Jesus' words to Simon Peter when uh, Simon Peter had made the confession that you are the Christ? What was it that Simon Peter said? Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. That is who reveals. That is who works faith in the believer. Faith is not a, a work that we do. It's not something we strive to do. Faith is a work that God does in us through his word and through his sacraments. I don't want you to get the wrong idea either about John's baptism as though it was merely water and as though uh, the spirit was not involved because the, the text does say, I saw the spirit descend. This is, these are John the baptizer's words. I saw the spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on Jesus. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. So John was baptizing with water and the Word, just as Jesus has now given the church to do, baptize with water and the Word. But does that mean it's merely water? No, of course not. He doesn't say that it's merely water. Jesus, uh, Peter said on the Sermon on on the day of Pentecost, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So we have it here that uh, the Holy Spirit is present in water baptism. But then what do we make of this statement that John made which is this expression, this is he, Jesus is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Well, 
when John said that, it was a reference both to the day of Pentecost in which Jesus would pour out the Holy Spirit on the church and work faith in all of these people, 3,000 saved that day. But it is also that Jesus Christ comes to us in baptism. This is why we teach of baptism. The pastor is not the one who baptizes. God is the one who is baptizing. And the Holy Spirit is coming to you in baptism. Sure, God works through means. He He can work through ordinary means, just like he does when we stand and read the word of God. It's very ordinary. It's a word that's being spoken. And yet the promise of God is that faith comes through the hearing of that word. So it is not mere water. It is water with the word and water with the word, regardless of who is doing the baptism. And by the way, I encourage all of you to turn in your hymnal and find at the back of it the... Uh, section is right at the back that says holy baptism in case of emergency. Every Christian is, should be prepared to baptize in the case of an emergency. If you see someone on the side of the road after a car accident that's, that is uh, in a terrible shape and they're asking to be baptized, you need to be ready to baptize them. It's not, uh, it's not ordinary, but it, in an extraordinary circumstance, absolutely, it's an emergency. So, so you are prepared to do that. And you don't even have to, um, it's not your, it's not like some a special character that you have that makes the baptism effective or efficacious. No. No, it is God's word. That's what does it. It's the promise of God. Um. I want to read from Titus 3. This is Paul uh, writing to Titus. And, says, and he says, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. This is a clear reference to baptism, in which Jesus Christ is the one acting and pouring out his spirit on us. So now I return to this simple yet profound introduction of Jesus, which John gives us. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. As I said earlier, this is what we must not overlook or gloss over. We can't just skip past this We need to stop and pause there. Jesus is given many names. Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, The Son of God, the Son of Man, the Messiah, the Christ. Redeemer, Deliverer, Israel. These are all names applied to Jesus Christ. But this name, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, In this name, we see his redemptive plan spelled out plainly and simply that we may look and see with faith. Oh, yes, we will follow after him. There's a great many things that the the regenerate person will do in their life. 
And it's all because they understand this, what it means to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He, Jesus Christ, is the perfect, spotless Lamb who will be sacrificed for your sins, who was sacrificed for your sins. He takes away the sin of the world. And put an end then, let that put an end to any notion that Jesus died just for the sins of the elect, as some Christians teach. Let this also be an end to the notion that only certain sins can be forgiven. I hear that a lot from people. Well, I, need, I know I need to get back to church, but I got to clean up my act first. <laughs> no. Jesus cleans up your act. You just come on in and let Jesus do the cleaning. He will do it thoroughly and purely and rightly. He's the only one that can do it. He is the spotless lamb. You know how he cleans you? He gives you a robe of righteousness, which is his own robe. So that when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin. He sees Christ's righteousness. That's what it means for Jesus Christ to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It is nothing less than that. It is nothing less than him being damned for your salvation, for your sake. So we must not skip past that, ever. We take all of our nasty little deeds, deeds, thoughts, Everything, whatever sin it is that we have, we take it and we crinkle it up into a little ball or a massive ball, or it could be like a snowball that started out this big and it just keeps rolling, you know, like lies building on themselves or something like that. But we end up with this and then we take all of ours in this room here and all of the sins of the whole world and we put it into one massive giant ball. Where's the big rubber band ball? that people go to see. This would be like so much bigger than that. I mean, it would just be huge, this massive ball of sin. And all of that sin is what Jesus Christ takes away and removes. Every bit of it. That means that every person that you ever talk to, you can say with confidence, no matter where they are in their life, Jesus Christ died for your sins. Don't say that to me. You don't know where I've been and what I've done. Well, that's true. But Jesus Christ does know where you've been and what you've done. And he still died for your sins. Speak that to your friends. Speak that with confidence. That is what it means. That is what the love of God is. The love of God is not not some blindness that turns away from sin and says, well, we'll just kind of overlook that. No. No, the love of God is, I see this sin that you can't take away yourself. I put that sin on the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Thanks be to God. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.